Well, let me tell you, congratulations. You made it through 2020. Congratulations, you made it to 2021. There's something about the new year typically that we think, okay, we made it through that one. This one's going to be good. There, there, there's something about us, maybe it's the, the human spirit that God put in us that makes us think, okay, we made it through. Now, hopefully things will be different. We, we go into a new year, especially coming out of 2020, thinking, wow, that's done. 2021. It can't be worse. Right? As we were getting towards the end of 2020, I had the same thoughts you did. I thought, well, we just we can just get through this one, man. Uh, and um, right towards the tail end of 2020, I was out in my front uh, in our driveway. We had a bunch of wood delivered. And uh, my younger two sons, Kevin and Wyatt, were in the backyard, and my job was to throw the wood over the fence, and their job was to stack it. Uh, and so I was, I was lifting these logs uh, and carrying them over, and I had my left hand full of logs, and, um, and one of them fell. And as it fell, it kind of fell away from me, and I reached out my hand as quickly as I could to grab this log, and as I grabbed it, I felt right up on my shoulder, pop, pop. And this thing went down my shoulder, through my bicep, down my forearm, and into my hand. And I thought, oh, my God. I couldn't move it. Um, and I, I pulled up like this, and this bubble happened right on my, and I, I partially uh, popped my bicep tendon. And it's painful. Uh, and, and so now I have limited, you know, movement and, and extension and all kinds of fun stuff. And I thought, well, you know, if, if I can just get out of this year, though. And so later that day, we, we got uh, for Christmas this little, um, like, vegetable slicer, like a little tray and the razor blades, and you slide the stuff over it, you know, and it cuts. And I thought, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to slice me up a potato. And it came with a glove. And anytime you got to use a kitchen utensil with a glove, that ought to be a warning sign that yeah, it might be dangerous. And so I thought, well, I don't need a glove. That's, gloves are for women. So... <laughs> I had my bad arm and I was slicing my potato and it's kind of doing with my bad arm and all of a sudden I cut off the tip of my this finger and instant blood everywhere and the tip of my it was on the blade and I thought well I'll just fry it up a little extra protein it, it took it took two and a half days for things to stop bleeding and so now when I'm typing I, I can't really move my hand and I can't really hit the keys I'm like ow 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 and just thinking this if I can just get out of 2020 and then. We were up at the ca uh, cabin with our family, and our three sons were there, and, and uh, we're just having a good time for a couple of days. And my oldest son, Joe, just, he was feeling sick. He says, I just don't feel right. I just am, I'm lethargic. I've got body aches. And so he works at Clovis Community, so they have to get tested before he goes to work there. And so he went, and he said, I need to get tested. Well, he tests positive for COVID. Uh, don't, oh, he's fine. <laughs> I might feel bad for him. He's all right. And uh, so anyway, because we were around him for days on end, obviously, what do we got to do? We got to get tested, right? And so I'm thinking, okay, how, can this get worse? So we had to go get tested. And um, 
I'm negative, by the way. Thanks for asking. Like, I'm telling you all this stuff, and you say, oh, for Joe, and it's like, I'm your pastor, and it's not even, a, are you, t- like, are you okay? None, none of you asked, even intimated that you were going to ask that question. So, it's too late now. Y'all need to get saved, get some Jesus in you so you feel bad for people. Anyway, I'm negative. Thank you for asking. I'm fine. It's all good. But uh, so on the way up, I'm with, I'm with my two sons, Caleb and Wyatt, and we're driving up to get tested. And um, my son asked me, he says, so dad, you think 2021 could be worse than 2020? And I said, well, I don't know, son. In 2020, we didn't see COVID coming. I don't know how it can be worse than that, because now at least we know. But what if 2021, it gets even worse, and there's all these crazy variants and, and viruses that it kind of develops, and I don't know. And I said, you know, in 2020, we didn't see the wildfires. That'd be the worst in state history. So at least we're past that. So, But now what if there's all these mudslides because now there's no vegetation? I don't know. I said, in 2020, we didn't see the election being the debacle that it became. And so at least that's over. But what if in 2021, Harris Biden's even worse? Like, who knows what 2021's going to bring, right? We have a tendency. It's just how we're wired. And I understand it, but we have a tendency to want to guarantee that things are going to work out before committing to anything. Before we say yes and commit, we want want to guarantee that it's going to be okay. For instance, if you ever were to move to a different location, if you were to move your family to take a job, you would want to get as much of a guarantee as possible on the front end that that job's going to be there and the pay's going to be better before you up and move, right? We want to guarantee I mean, think about marriage. Few are the people that go into a marriage without as much guarantee as possible that this is the right person. Those who go into marriage without as much of a guarantee as possible that that's the right person, we have a name for them. Divorced. It is like you want as much of a guarantee as possible, right? Right. (laughs) Like if you don't, like you're just, well, let's roll the dice. I don't know. First, second, third, fourth, fifth wife, who cares? Let's just roll the dice. But you want as much of a guarantee as possible. The same is true in our faith. The same is true in our faith. Let me prove it to you. Before you tithe, if you decide to tithe, I'm not talking about giving, because a lot of people in church give. Very few tithe. Because a tithe is 10%. Right off the top. Very few. The average right now in America is just below 2% giving. Give, that, that, that means that the average giving in church is less than 2% of your income. That's average. So what I'm saying is very few people actually tie. Because here's why. Because you want to guarantee on the front end, God, if I give you 10% right up front, you're going to give me more than what I just gave. Now, I won't ask if I'm right because I know I am. 
Now, there's, there's nothing we want to guarantee, even with our faith. If, if, if you ever have the opportunity to go on a mission trip, one of the things you want guaranteed is that you're going to be safe on a mission field. Here's how I know. You know I have taken so many mission trips to other countries in this world, and some of you have gone with me. I've asked that your kids go with us as well. And the one question I get by and large is, if I let my kid go with you, are they going to be safe? And if I go with you, is it safe to go? Because we want to guarantee on the front end before I commit to doing something that it's going to be okay. Even in our faith. Here's another example. If you decide that you're going to share, if you call yourself a Christ follower and you have relationship with people in your huddle who do not know, do not know Jesus yet and you decide to share Jesus with them, you want to guarantee on the front end that you're not going to be ridiculed for doing it. So this idea that we want to guarantee on the front end before we'll strike out is prevalent in all aspects of life. So we're going into a new year. And wouldn't it be great if we had a guarantee that this year is going to be better than the last? Wouldn't that? I mean, can 2021 really be worse than 2020? You think so? I mean, how bad would it have to be? I mean, it'd be terrible. But as we travel the path of this new year, we come to forks in the road. And we have no idea if those forks, if they're going to lead to success and fortune or difficulty and hardship. We don't know. And so I started thinking about this the past couple of weeks. Do we have anything at our disposal that can increase our chance of a good outcome? I want to suggest to you that when people look at the Bible, people look at the Bible primarily in, in one of two ways, but there's a third way that not many people approach the Bible. But, but let me, one of the, one of the, one of the two most prevalent ways is to look at the Bible for instruction on how to live, right? Like this will tell us how to live. Basically, that's behavioral modification, but that's how many people approach the Bible. The other most prevalent way of looking at the Bible is instruction on what to do. I just wanna know what to do. That's directional guidance, and those are legitimate ways to look at the Bible. Tell me how to live and tell me what to do, and those are fine, but there's a third way of approaching scripture. And the third way of approaching scripture is to gain insight into an unseen kingdom. And when we gain insight into the unseen kingdom, we have a transformation of our perspective. Here's why that's important. Because it's possible to approach the Bible and gain both instruction on how to live and what to do and never have a transformed perspective about God and about life. And when we approach the Bible simply for instruction on how to live and what to do, we're forever reliant upon other people to help us understand how to live and what to do. And we're completely and forever subject ourselves to someone else's ideas. And so the danger in going into 2021 is to approach this book simply from the perspective, tell me what to do and tell me how to live. 
Because unless your whole perspective is transformed, we'll never understand who this God is that rules an unseen kingdom in the seen world. There has to be a better way. There's got to be a way. And so I want to share with you a passage of scripture from 1 Samuel chapter 14. The very last verse of 1 Samuel 13 and going on through chapter 14 through verse 27. I I love this passage uh, and it gives me great hope and great instruction and a change of perspective about who God is. And so so I I want to share with you, it's on the screen. If you have a Bible or you got a smart whatever, um, follow along there, 1 Samuel, it's in the Old Testament, chapter 14. It's on our app if you want to follow along with that as well. This is what the Bible says. Now a detachment of Philistines, these were enemies of Israel, had gone out to the pass at Michmash. One day Jonathan, son of Saul, Saul was the first king of Israel. So his son uh, said to his young armor bearer, the guy that carried his weapons of war for him, come, let's go over to the Philistine outpost on the other side. But he didn't tell his dad what he was doing. He didn't tell the king. Saul was staying on the outskirts of Gibeah under a pomegranate tree in Migron. With him were about 600 men. So the king is somewhere else, unaware of what's going on. On each side of the pass that Jonathan intended to cross to reach the Philistine outpost was a cliff. One one was called Bozes and the other Sinna. Jonathan said to his young armor bearer, Come on now, let's go over to the outpost to those uncircumcised men. Perhaps the Lord will act in our behalf. Nothing can hinder the Lord from saving, whether by many or by few. He doesn't need an army. He just needs a couple people who are available. So I know there's just two of us, but let's go get it done. Do all that you have in mind, his armor bearer said. Go ahead, I'm with you heart and soul. Jonathan said, well, let's go then. We will cross over toward them and let them see us. Not a great military strategy. If they say to us, wait there until we come to you, we'll stay where we are and not go up to them. We'll just see how it goes. But if they say, come up to us, we will climb up because that will be our sign that the Lord has given them into our hands. So both of them, Jonathan and his armor bearer showed themselves to the enemies, the Philistine outpost. Look, they said, the Philistines, the Hebrews are crawling out of the holes they were hiding in. The men of the outpost shouted to Jonathan and his armor bearer, come up here so we can teach you a lesson. So Jonathan said to his armor bearer, climb up after me. The Lord has given them into the hand of Israel. Jonathan climbed up using his hands and feet. If you're climbing on your hands and feet, what are you holding a sword with? With his armor bearer right behind him, the Philistines fell before Jonathan and his armor bearer as they followed and they killed, uh, they, they, he killed them behind him. In that first attack, Jonathan and his armor bearer killed 20 men in about half acre. I love this story because it gives me a change of perspective of who God is and what it means to follow him. Now, just to recap, this detachment of Philistines, they're over on uh, across this ravine from God's people. And Jonathan, the king's son, said, let's go get them. Let's go get them. Don't tell my dad. Don't tell the king. 
He's off doing something else. Let's just go. Saul was staying at the outskirts of Gibeah under a pomegranate tree. 600 men were around him. I want you to understand something. That the Philistines were the enemy of Israel. And they were always at war and always in conflict with each other. And Jonathan, as the son of the king, was assigned an armor bearer. Now, an armor bearer was the one who would carry the weapons for the soldier. And the primary focus of the armor bearer was to protect the soldier's backside. So nothing snuck up on him. And what the armor bearer did was allow the soldier to focus on what was ahead of them rather than what was behind him, because behind him posed no threat. As you go through life, you need someone who's got your back. Do you understand what I'm saying? Because here's what I know. Here's what we know. Here's what we should have learned from 2020 if we didn't know before them, that problems and troubles and trials and enemies don't always come at us head on. Sometimes problems and troubles and trials and difficulties sneak up on us. Sometimes we don't see them coming. Sometimes they come out of nowhere. This is why 2020 was so difficult. Because nobody saw it coming. And nobody knew how long it would be. And it snuck up on us. And we need people in our life who have got our back. Life has to be done in relationships with people who have got your back. You need those people in your life in 2021. Do you understand? Those people who will say, yeah, I'll climb up on hands and feet with you. Do whatever you have in mind, man. I'm with you. And I love the fact that these two decided to take the war to the enemy. They didn't wait. They didn't sit back and wonder. They took the battle to the foe. Here's the problem. Here's the problem with so many people in 2021. Because the enemy came out of nowhere and because we couldn't see where the attack was coming from, so many people were paralyzed and sat in fear. You understand? And meanwhile, where was Saul? Saul was in Gibeah out in Migron, sitting under a pomegranate tree. Here's why this is significant. Saul is supposed to be the leader. He's supposed to be the tip of the spear. He's supposed to be the one on the front lines. But he's in the outskirts of Gibeah, in Migron, what that was, if you didn't know this little Bible for you, uh, that was his own personal vacation home. That's where the acreage was. That's where the hammocks were. That's where the tiki torches were. I mean, that's where he went to chill. And he's sitting out there in the outskirts of Gibeah at his vacation home. And he's sitting under a pomegranate tree. The pomegranate tree was the symbol of victory. And so he's sitting out there under the shade tree, sipping his little Mai Tai, thinking it's all good oblivious as to what was really going on. And the fact that he's surrounded by 600 men, this is his personal bodyguard. So he's isolated himself in what in his mind is safety and security, acting as if the world's going to keep turning, everything's going to be okay. Here's what we have to understand, especially coming out of 2020, going into 2021. Leaders lead. We have to understand that. Men, pay attention to me right now. 
leaders lead. Husbands, fathers, pay attention to me right now. Leaders lead. Men, don't go to sleep right now. Hear my words. Leaders lead. Do you understand? Jonathan and his armor bearer. They're climbing up this ravine between two ridges. And the ridges have names. Do you remember what they were? Bozes and Sinna. They named the ridges, which is not uncommon. We named Pacheco Pass, right? And, and so it's not uncommon. So they named one Bozes and one Sinna. Here's why that's important. They're in the, in the ravine between them. Bozes means glistening or shiny. Sinna means thorny. In other words, they're in this ridge between success and fortune and difficulty and hardship. Those things that are glistening and shiny and brilliant and beautiful and those things that are thorny and difficult. This ought to be no surprise because in life, there's always two possibilities. And when we sit at the precipice of a new year, we've got two possibilities and we don't know which one is going to be, but we sit in this ravine with Two possibilities. We hope for success and fortune. We hope for glistening and shiny. We hope for Bozes, but we could get Sinna. Nothing but thorns and hardship, right? And who knows what 2021 will bring? The problem is when leaders sit in ravines because they don't know if it's going to be shiny or thorny, success or difficulty, fortune or hardship, and they sit in a ravine paralyzed when they should be on the tip of the spear leading. But the reason why we don't is because we want a guarantee up front. Do you understand? This was one of the difficult things in 2020 because there was so much unknown that created so much fear from an enemy that was all around us that most people sat in a ravine paralyzed. And, and this is what drove me crazy with some of my pastor friends. And I love them. Uh, and, and God has called and he's moving and working. But, but this is my frustration with the church uh, and, and how some of them were led in 2020. Leaders lead. And I was talking to some of my pastor friends. And, and here's, if we believe that this virus is as deadly as what we're told, and we believe that we hold the truth and the secret of eternal life, the balance of eternity rests in how can we lock the doors? Now, here, here, here's, here's my struggle in 2020. And this is what I told my pastor friends. The churches that thrived in 2020 were led by leaders. And whatever the decision was, I didn't care what the decision was for other churches. 
If the, if, if the leader said we're going to close the doors because that's what we're supposed to do and they made the decision and they didn't waver from it and they threw all their resources into expanding the gospel through online way, fantastic, have at it, more power to you. If that's what God called you to do, do it and do it with everything you got. Just don't vacillate back and forth. When they say you're open, you're open. When they say you're closed, you're closed. Make your decision and go. And there are a lot of churches that chose to do everything online and do everything outside and they're thriving. Why? Because they're led by leaders who lead. Now, us, this leader chose something different. This leader chose, we're going to do everything online, and we'll provide outside if you want that, and we'll keep the doors open, because I believe that if this is as deadly as what they say, and we hold the truth of eternal life, how can we shut the door? And so this church was led by a leader who led, and we didn't ever divert from that. Do you understand? And I've been questioned about it, and I've been called to the carpet on it by some. <laughs> I don't care. I'm not sitting in Migron under a pomegranate tree surrounded by 600 men. And we have to understand this going into 2021. Leaders lead. This is nothing new. We will always and forever sit in the, in the ravine between two possibilities. And if you're so petrified by the possibility of the difficult thorns, you will never move and thereby never experience victory. And I, I love their, per see, Jonathan had this transformed perspective before anybody else. Let, let, let me show you what this looks like. He says, Jonathan said to his young armor bearer, come on now, man, let's go. Let's go over the outpost, those uncircumcised men. Perhaps the Lord will act in our behalf. Nothing can hinder the Lord from saving, whether by many or by few. Perhaps the Lord will act on Perhaps the Lord will act. Do you realize what he's saying? He's saying there's no guarantee God's going to act in our favor, but he might. And because he might, let's go. I love the fact that his armor bearer said, whatever you want to do, I'm with your heart and soul. He didn't offer opinion. He didn't ask questions. He said, hey, if you need a body buried, I'll bury a body for you. No questions asked. Second body, I might ask a question. But first body, no questions asked. This is how I know why Jonathan is so different than you and I. Because how many of us, how many of you would embark on a risky proposition with no guarantee? I'm going to tell you. Not many. And so we sit in ravines because there's no guarantee of the glistening, shining success and fortune. Paralyzed by the possibility of the other. Do you understand? See, a kingdom perspective includes the God of the perhaps. Perhaps he will. And kingdom people trust and act and risk with only a perhaps. Kingdom people don't need a guarantee up front. Kingdom people can base their decisions on who God is in scripture and say, perhaps he will. But even if he doesn't, I still will. Do you understand? Now, 2021, I sure hope God... I sure hope, I sure hope God visits us with his blessing. I sure hope he pours his favor on us in 2021. But you and I go into 2021 with only a perhaps. And that's okay. 
Why? Because leaders lead. I, 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 I love this. Uh, do all that you have in mind, his armor bearer said. Go ahead, I'm with you, heart and soul. John said, come on up then. We'll cross over towards it and let them see us. <laughs> if they say to us, wait there until we come to you, we'll stay where we are and we'll just play it out and see how it goes. But if they say, come up to us, we will climb up because that will be our sign that the Lord has given them into our hands. Jonathan climbed up using his hands and his feet with his armor bearer right behind him. Go ahead, I'm with you heart and soul. Who is in your huddle? Those people close to your life who's with you heart and soul. You need some. But I want you to notice, how did they know God would be with them? What was their sign? They would let the enemy see them and depend on the enemy's response. So they were discovering God's plan as they went. Do you understand? Like as we go, we'll know. But we're not going to know till we go. So as we go, we'll know. But we're not going to know till we go. You understand? But as we go, we will know. So many people sit in the ravine waiting. God, once I know, then I'll go. And God says, why don't you go? And then you'll know. You understand? Okay, but don't miss this now. As they went, how did they go? On their hands, they crawled, right? Don't miss this. This is really, really, really important. See, sometimes we aren't sure of God's hand until we start crawling on our knees. I'm going to tell you if you missed it, that was good. I'm just saying like, I was in my office and God gave me that one. I thought, oh, I got to write this one down. I'm going to make sure they get this one. You understand what I'm saying, right? Like, you, you won't know God's hand until you're on your knees. Listen, this is one reason I want you to show up on Thursday or tune in. To that fasting thing. Because nothing will drive you to your knees faster than fasting. Look at what this says. So both of them showed themselves to the Philistine outpost. Look, this are the, those Philistines, they said. Those Hebrews are crawling out of the holes they're hiding in. The men of the outpost showed, uh, shouted to Jonathan and his arm bearer, come on up here, we'll teach you a lesson. You little scoundrels. I don't know what they said. I don't speak Philistinian. So Jonathan said to his armor bearer, climb up after me. The Lord's given them into our hand. Jonathan climbed up using his hands and feet. His armor bearer's right behind him. The Philistines fell before Jonathan and his armor bearer as they followed and killed him behind him. And in that first attack, Jonathan and his armor bearer killed some 20 men in half an acre. I mean, the battle, it's 20 against two. It's a 10 to one odds in half an acre space. Those aren't good odds. And that's not a lot of territory. But they went. Because leaders lead in the midst of the unknown. Perhaps God will show up and God did show up. And watch what happened. The moment God showed up in these guys' lives, watch what happened. Then Saul and his men, surrounded by 600 of his bodyguard, assembled and went to battle. What a coward. See, there are three types of people in this world. You need to understand this. There are those who make things happen. There are those who watch things happen. And those who ask the question, what the heck just happened? See, in life, there are some people who see the early opportunity. 
and they make things happen. And there's others that I call late adopters who are slow to see God's hand and God's work and the opportunities. But once the hard work is done, then they jump in. And so in 2021, I want you to ask yourself this question. Who am I? Which one am I? Do you have the tendency to make things happen even in the midst of the unknown? And as you go, you start to see God show and perhaps he will, perhaps he won't, but I'm going. Or are you one who waits? And after someone has made things happen, you choose to jump in, but at least you jump in early. Or are you one who waits till all the hard work is done and then you choose to contribute? In my opinion, there's only one way to be, especially going into 2021. Now, let me just round out this, this account in 1 Samuel 14. This is what it says. Now, this is sometime later. And all the Israelites were in distress. Why? Because Saul, the king, had bound them all under an oath, saying, cursed be anyone who eats food before evening comes before I've avenged myself of my enemies. So none of the troops ate anything. What an idiot and stupid or oath. Did none of y'all get to eat anything till I have avenged myself? How egotistical is he now? And so they didn't. They figured, well, if that's the rules, I'll submit to that authority. And so must your own demise. We'll just go ahead and play that game. The entire army entered the woods and there was honey on the ground. When they went into the woods, they saw honey oozing out of everywhere. God's saying, here, I'm giving you so much resources for your sustenance and provision and health and vitality and success. Yet now no one put his hand to his mouth because they feared the oath and mandate of the king. But Jonathan, who had not heard that his father had bound the people with the oath, nor would he have cared, so he reached out the end of his staff that was in his hand and dipped it into the honeycomb. He raised his hand to his mouth, and his eyes were brightened. Now don't miss what's happening here. Don't let this pass you by. The soldiers were looking at all the resources around them. God's provision was profound, but they wouldn't feed themselves. Now, let's just be honest. Sometimes there are systems set up and designed to keep you weak, without a doubt. But sometimes... You've got to take the initiative and buck the system and not be a victim. You understand? The best, if you, if you have a child, I don't care how old the child is, because adults need to learn this too. The best thing you can do if you have a child is to teach them you are not a victim. You're not a victim. Don't play the victim card. It's not your coach's fault. It's not your teacher's fault. It's not even the boogeyman's fault. It's you're not a victim. Don't play that card. The soldiers played the victim card. Well, that's what they said. I guess I can't. And they languished because of it. Jonathan came around and said, I'm not a victim. Don't play the victim card. And if you got a child, don't let them play the victim card. And Jonathan reached out 
and they grab the honey. And what's the Bible say happened to him? His eyes were brightened. It means he gained life, vitality, vigor. The others were languishing and suffering because they had not taken advantage of God's provision. Now, here's where this comes together. It's all about the honey. Because that's where the life came from. That's where the vigor came from. Look what the Bible says. The law of the Lord is perfect, refreshing the soul. The statutes of the Lord are trustworthy, making wise the simple. The fear of the Lord is pure, enduring forever. The decrees of the Lord are firm, and all of them are righteous. They're more precious than gold, than much pure gold. They're sweeter than what? Honey. They're sweeter than honey from the honeycomb. Watch what the Bible says. Psalm 119. How sweet are your words to my taste. Sweeter than what? Honey to my mouth. Where did the vigor and the vitality and the strength come from for Jonathan? Where was it lacking in the soldier around him? In the honey, right? What's the honey that is all around him? The word of God. Do you understand? And when they took the honey and ingested it, they took the honey and ingested it, and took the honey and ingested it, their eyes opened up. And everybody else who saw the honey there but didn't take it lived in distress. How was your 2020? This year, we sat in a, sit in a ravine between two cliffs, Sinna and Boaz, uh, Bozes. Shiny, thorny. Success, fortune, Distress hardship without knowing which way it's going to go. And unless you take the honey and put it here and the honey and put it here and the honey and put it here, you will sit in fear and trepidation of the unknown, never trusting the God of the perhaps. We got to do two things this year. I don't believe in resolutions. I don't believe in them at all. I, matter of fact, I make a resolution to not make a resolution. <laughs> but I do believe in commitments. I believe in committing to God. So two things this year. Two commitments I'm going to encourage you to make going into 2021. Commit to trust and obey with only a perhaps. And commit to eating the honey. You understand? I'm not going to blow smoke up your skirts and say, hey, this is going to be fantastic and 2021 is a new year and it's going to be better in 2020. I'm not going to say that's ridiculous. I'm going to say, you don't know how it's going to go. You have no idea. There's a possibility of it going all to hell. There's a possibility of it being glorious. You're in the middle of a ravine right now. Will you trust the God of the perhaps? Before you know. And when you let the sustenance of your life be the word of God. See, only you can choose for yourself. If you're going to trust without knowing the outcome up front, nobody can choose that for you. You can't live on someone else's faith. It's not transferable that way. 
And only you can choose to feed yourself the honey of God's word. Nobody else can feed you. And if you live on the crumbs that come from someone else's table, you're going to be starving. At, at, at some point in 2020, we all went through with some dimmed eyes. And we need our eyes to be enlightened going into 2021. And so two commitments I'm going to ask you to consider making. I think it'll be good for you. I think they're good for me. Two commitments for 2021. Make the commitment, God, this year, I'm going to do my best to trust you with only a perhaps. And you and I will figure it out as we go. You'll let me know. And God, I'm going to do the best I can to read my Bible every day. To take the honey every day. Now, I know what's that, what you're saying right now. When I say read your Bible every day, there's a lot of people who go, I don't even know what to read. Like, that'd be great, but I don't even know what to read. This thing is big. My grandma had a real big Bible. She must have had a different one. Mine isn't that big, but it's like, I don't even know where to start. Now, let me just give you a couple suggestions. There's four Gospels. Start with the second one. It's Mark. If you like action, just start in the, in the Gospel of Mark. Because it starts with Jesus' baptism, and it's just all action all the way through to his resurrection. I mean, the, the, like the whole story of Jesus. Or start in the book of John. In John, Jesus says, I am, seven different times. He says, I am the, I am the, I am the, seven different times. And read the book of John through the lens of discovering who Jesus is. Or start in the Old Testament book of Proverbs. There's 31 chapters in the book of Proverbs. There's one chapter for every day of the, of the month. It's really easy. Just read. Get yourself a Bible that you can understand, even if it's a children's Bible. Get yourself a Bible that you can understand and just start reading. See, here's the thing. The goal is to build a habit, not to build a theologian. See, so many people want to read this as if they're a theologian, understand everything. The goal isn't to build a theologian. The goal is to build a habit. That the habit of my life is every day I'm opening this up and taking a little bit of honey. Even if it's one verse, it's a little bit of honey that I'm putting here. Even with the one verse I'm putting here, my eyes are going to start opening up again. It's just the honey. Just build a habit. We have so many other habits in our lives. Make this a habit. Because here's, here's the beauty of it all. The more I do this, the more I'll trust the God of this, who's the God of the perhaps. Do you understand? The less I do this, the less I'll, I'll trust the God of the perhaps, because I want a guarantee. But the more I do this, the more I don't need a guarantee. I got the God of the perhaps. Do you understand? This is what you need in 2021. I want you to pray with me. And I want us to go to God together. Let me pray for us, and I'm going to give you a chance to pray for yourself. Father, thank you that you love us. Thank you that in 2020, you never left us. Thank you that you're sovereign. Thank you that nothing is outside of the scope of your hand, your control, or your love. Thank you for your mercy and your grace. Those mercies that are new every morning. Thank you that you work all things together for the good of those who love you and are called according to your purpose. Thank you that there's no weapon formed against us that can stand. Thank you that greater are you who are in us than he who is in the world. Thank you. Thank you that you are that same God in 2020 already. 
Hear the prayer of people right now. Father, there are some people in this place who are willing to trust you as the God of the perhaps. There aren't many people like this, Father. You know that. You know there aren't many people in this world that are willing to trust the God of the perhaps. There are so many people sitting in churches right now who want a guarantee up front. God, there are some people here who don't need a guarantee up front. We're willing to trust you with only a perhaps. Father, you know how rare these people are. So hear their hearts now. In your own words, in the quietness of your own heart, I, I encourage you right now to say, God, I'm going to do my best to trust you, to obey you with only a perhaps. I, I'm, I'm not going to ask for a guarantee. I'm just going to crawl on my knees and trust you with a perhaps. And then tell them, God, as much as I'm able to, I'm going to open up your word and eat the honey every day, a little bit every day. Just make those two commitments to him. And don't worry about a failure rate. You don't do it one day, do it the next. Father, I pray in the name of Jesus that right now you will see these people who are willing to trust you with only a perhaps because you know there aren't many who are like this. I pray that in this moment you would see these people who are willing to open up your word and ingest the honey every day. Father, as we do that, open our eyes. As we do that, fill us with life and vitality. As we do that, encourage us to trust you more. As we do that, do what only you can do. And as we move, show yourself faithful. We love you, Jesus. And we give you ourselves and we give you 2021.